Welcome to the Heavenly Health Podcast, a lifestyle medicine show that combines integrative nutrition with sustainability and yogic wisdom to help the collective on the humanitarian path towards co-creating heaven on earth from the inside out. Join me, your host, Avon Heavenly, certified health coach and yoga teacher to help support you on your health and wellness journey. We will focus on unlearning the conditioning of the old paradigms of the health industry while creating new, inclusive, ethical, and evidence-based discussions on all the pillars of health, including physical, mental, social, environment, financial, and spiritual. Because health is so much more than a number on a scale or the food on your plate, and we all have the divine right to experience well-being. So let this be a space for you to create your own version of heavenly health. Welcome back to the Heavenly Health Podcast. Today we're joined with Nourished with Becca, aka Becca B. Brown. We had her on episode four when she explained to us the gut hormone connection. And today she's going to be explaining to us how to use your menstrual cycle and your hormones to cycle sync. Cycle sync is a really hot buzzword right now in the health space. And she breaks it down for us on how to use each phase of your cycle with exercise, nutrition, and rest to really live an optimized life. So join us to learn how to cycle sync and how to have hormone respectful weight management. Thanks for having me again. Um, So yeah, I've been a personal trainer for about five years now, I think. Yeah, about five years. And my background in fitness, I used to be the person that was obsessed with working out. I would go to an F45 class like six days a week. I was obsessed with it, the high intensity Um, high, (laughs) high intensity, which is really just high heart rate workout. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like I always had to get a workout in, which ultimately was a whole other problem that we'll talk about, but, um, it, it basically made me fall in love with fitness and I loved, I loved the feeling of working out. I loved, you know, just like the health aspect of it, the community aspect of it. And just, I wanted to help other people feel their best ultimately and have the power to actually be in control of their health Mm. and so yeah I started doing personal training I moved up to LA and worked with some of the best trainers I've ever met I did personal training and health coaching and I love it and I've definitely learned a lot over the years in terms of what actually works for women in terms of fitness and health and how women actually respond to these different types of training, mm-hmm. where they're at in their cycle, their energy, where they're at in their health journey and what they can actually physically handle in terms of fitness mm-hmm. and what is supporting their body instead of feeling like they're doing all this work, they're putting in all this effort and they're just not seeing any of the results, right. which is super frustrating. Mm-hmm. Did you work with male trainers in your journey or female trainers? Yes. So it was me and mostly male trainers. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, there was a bit of that like power, power dynamic. Um, but I did really like working with male trainers. I did learn a lot from them um, in terms of just the type of training I did was amazing I learned like I'm so grateful for it mm-hmm. um but I did not get that like aspect of how to actually train as a woman mm-hmm. and I didn't learn that until I started diving into my own research with it yeah. and how the menstrual cycle actually works and how that affects how your hormones affect your energy your sleep your performance and your recovery throughout your cycle and your ability to lose weight at the same time. Yeah. So aren't there a lot of studies right now or in the recent years with um, athletes and mm-hmm. uh, the Olympics and things like that? Yeah, like, they're starting to... It came from, right? Yeah, they're starting to pick up on it more. The, the woman who kind of coined this term cycle sinking, training with your cycle, her name's Dr. Stacey Sims. She, her books are amazing. Her book, Roar, is really good. Um, But she's the one that kind of like coined this term and started doing this research on her athletes that she was working with. This is women are not small men. Yes, this is women are not small men. That's like her slogan. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like her research is fascinating and it's spot on. Like she explains to a T basically why maybe one day you're motivated, you want to go to the gym and you have a great workout you feel good afterwards and then a week later you're like doing the same workout 
but you feel like crap, you have no energy, and you just couldn't perform as well. You mm-hmm. couldn't hit, you couldn't do your best. And for a lot of women, that can be super frustrating because, you know, you want to be consistent. You always want to put in the work. But when you feel like you're fighting against your body sometimes, it makes it really hard to keep going. Totally. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought this up. I feel like there's kind of a, is there a revolution happening right now with cycle syncing? <laughs> it's so big on social media. Yeah. Or maybe it's my algorithm. Like, it's all over your algorithm too, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I do see it everywhere. I think that... And you're making content about it too, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I definitely talk about it. I think that... Again, it's more than just, you know, do cardio during this phase, do strength training during this phase, but it's really diving into how to actually fuel and recover. And that some days, again, are it, it's, it's just going to depend on the, the individual also and how sensitive they are to training with their cycle. So mm-hmm. I think that like step one with training with your cycle is just to track your cycle first. Like, first you have to actually track your cycle and know what's happening during your cycle. Yeah. Are there any um, ways to track that you recommend? Yeah. So there's a couple different ways. Um, I recommend using your basal, basal body temperature because that will give you an actual representation of where you are currently at. So that means um, there's there's a product I use called TempDrop. It's basically an armband that you wear at night and it basically records your temperature for you. You can also just take it orally with a basal body thermometer that's like $10. You can get it at like CVS mm. or something. Is that a different thermometer mm. than just a standard thermometer? Yes, because it, it needs to go to the 10th degree. So oh. it needs to be like a 0.00 thermometer. Okay. Hmm. Um, but basically what that'll tell you is if you've when you've ovulated. And so knowing that ovulation point in your cycle is crucial because once you've ovulated... <clears throat> Once you've ovulated, your body's going to start producing progesterone and estrogen is going to drop. And that is where women need to start to shift their training in the second half of their cycle. And they need to start to eat more because in the second half of your cycle, when you're producing progesterone after ovulation, your body is naturally going to increase your metabolism an extra 200 calories. So your energy needs increase during that phase, which is a lot of the times why we get really hungry and we feel like we can kind of eat anything around us and we get cravings and all of these things in the second half. It's because, again, progesterone is so metabolic and so our energy needs increase. And so, again, our energy around, our, our fueling around training needs to increase as well as progesterone is more of a calming hormone. Whereas estrogen, which is what is dominant in the first half of your cycle, estrogen is very energizing. Estrogen mm-hmm. is very building. You're gonna be able to like push yourself harder. You're gonna be able to do more cardio. You're gonna be able to do more reps yeah. in the first half of your cycle versus the second half, progesterone is a more calming hormone. And so you're just not gonna have as much energy most likely. Wow. Oh, that was perfectly said. Thank you for explaining that. Okay. So that's kind of my overview. So basically, you can, you can use just like an app, a calendar, but again, what if you want to know exactly when that ovulation point is, I recommend, again, okay, so back to the basal body temperature, is after you ovulate, your temperature will go up. So you'll be able to see that if you're charting it and writing, it, and writing down the, the temperatures, you'll be able to see that increase. It'll increase at least half a degree to a full degree as to what it normally is. So for example, let's say in the first half of your cycle, your follicular phase, your temperature is around 97.5. After you ovulate, your temperature is going to go up to above 98. So it's going to take a big jump. And that's when you, and once you've gotten three consecutive high temperatures, that's when you know that confirms ovulation. I've ovulated. I'm in my luteal phase now. I'm producing progesterone. Consecutive three consecutive temperatures the rule is three consecutive high temperatures within three days yes yes like three in a row okay would this be three days before ovulation no no no, right after hormones high then it's gonna be so yeah so so temperature will start to come up a little bit right before ovulation like one like point one Mm -hmm. like it might go from 97.5 to 97.67 but it'll be a significant jump Mm -hmm. it'll be like at least half a degree to a full degree jump so you're trying to test if people are ovulating at all 
and or when are they ovulating? Yeah, because right? knowing when you ovulate, again, that's when, once you've ovulated, again, estrogen's going to start to come down and progesterone's going to start to come up. So that's when you're going to want to know, change your training during this time. And again, you can, like, you can use that. That's also how people, you know, use fertility awareness method. Yeah. And. Wow. Or for fertility to know mm-hmm. when exactly you are ovulating. So interesting. Okay, so you can do it with basal body temperature. Mm-hmm. There's ovulation kits. Yeah, you can well. also test your ovulation and use LH strips. Okay. I actually found some at the dollar store. Yeah, they're super case. They're super inexpensive. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even know these things existed. Mm-hmm. I only was aware of pregnancy tests, but now I'm now I'm, my eyes are open. I'm yeah, you can actually test. Tests. Yeah. So I think that's one of the key factors to like a woman's health journey mm-hmm. start figuring out your ovulation like, it's when is it, it tells is a it? lot it tells you a lot about your health mm-hmm. when you ovulate yeah. and how you ovulate yeah i feel like i read in a book they said ovulation wasn't now it's a vital health indicator yep as it, well that's the main event like yeah. your period is not the main event it's yeah. ovulation it kind of is like your report card mm-hmm Yep, and some people actually aren't ovulating. Right. Which I didn't, I wasn't aware of until I started deep diving into this stuff. I just thought all women ovulate. No. But. (laughs) Because again, ovulation takes energy. Mm -hmm. And if your body is struggling for energy on a deeper level, and again, metabolism is really low, um, digestion is slow, like you're struggling for nutrients, you're not nourished, your body is not going to prioritize fertility. Because yeah. it, it's there's no way that it's going to be able to carry a baby if it needs to totally. at that point. And we were talking about, like, this is kind of... There's a book called The Hormone Epidemic, mm-hmm. and all of that's happening. But within The Hormone Epidemic is a fertility epidemic. Yes. I know fertility rates are so low right now, you know? Yeah. And a lot of that we can start kind of tackling with understanding what our ovulation is and if we are ovulating. So... Yeah, I love that. It's just like a tool or something applicable that we can already, you know, give you guys in this episode just listening so far. Yeah. So what is the gist of uh, the cycle syncing, like your body with movement in your cycle? Yeah. So I think it's really more about one, knowing, like knowledge is power, right? So knowing what's going on is going to make you feel more confident that one, what you're doing is working and two that you're not burning yourself out. You're not increasing stress on your body because exercise is a stressor, right? So even though it's a good stressor, like it's still a stress on the body. And so we want to make sure that what we're doing is supporting our body and not working against it. Mm -hmm. So cycle syncing 101, what is it? It's such a buzzword these days. Just like break it down for us. What is what exactly is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to call it a trend. I'd be like, this is just an amazing new area of women to, you know, figure out how to optimize their health. So. Yeah, totally. I think it's it, it's a good trend, but you want to be careful of the trend also because it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario. It's really about understanding what's going on with your body. And everyone's going to be a little different. So really tapping in and like tracking and paying attention to what's going on and paying attention to those metabolic markers. How's your energy, your sleep, your digestion, your mood, tracking those things and just knowing where they're at in the different phases of your cycle is also going to give you a lot of tools. So how your cycle works one-on-one is basically day one is actually the first day of your period. And so that is technically the first day of your cycle. And then your period's going to last probably about five to seven days, which is your low hormone phase. That is when hormones are at their lowest. And right after your period starts, probably around day five to seven, estrogen is going to start to rise. And this is the quote-unquote follicular phase. Your, your period is technically considered your follicular phase as well. Um, but this is when, when your period ends is like your mid-follicular phase. And so that's, what you, that's where estrogen is going to start to rise. And this is where your body is going to, again, estrogen is a building hormone. So you're going to have more energy. You're going to be probably more social. You're probably going to want to create new things, be more creative, um, come up with new ideas. Like that's kind of the time to yeah, be that like social butterfly that has more energy and gets things done. I heard it's a good time to like go for a promotion. Or yes. Like that. Yeah. Go for things. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah. for it. Go for it. Cool. Push your, You can push yourself a little bit harder during this phase also. Mm-hmm. Um, and with training, it's actually, there's some research behind that 
when our body's producing more estrogen during this phase, we can actually push ourselves a little harder without burning out. And we can actually tap in and use body fat for energy a little bit more efficiently. Mm-hmm. So again, this is this is the time where if you like doing cardio, if you want to do some cardio, if you want to push yourself a little bit harder, do it during this phase. You're going to be able to recover better and you have the hormones to support you during this time. So this is follicular. Follicular. Which yeah. lasts... About how long? Um, so ovulation usually happens around day 14. So that's when, after you ovulate, is when estrogen is going to start to dip. Estrogen is going to continue to rise up until ovulation. It's going to peak at ovulation. And so that's when your energy is going to be at its highest, is around ovulation. So those that five to, like five days before you ovulate or so, that's when your energy is going to be peak. Like mm-hmm. you're going to be able to push yourself harder, recover faster, um, just more, just be more optimal. This helps with planning your life out. Yes. Really well. I love that. I actually planned this episode during my ovulation. There you go. <laughs> so I was like, we're going to really go for it this weekend. So yeah. That's awesome. Okay. And then, and then after that? Okay. So after you ovulate, it's, it's typically around day 14, but again, this is why you want to track because sometimes people ovulate a little bit later. You just want to know around when you typically ovulate. But day 14 is typical. So then estrogen is going to start to drop and progesterone is going to start to rise. And so progesterone is more of a calming hormone. It is going to, you're probably going to feel like a little bit more calm, relaxed. This is kind of the time to, doesn't mean you can't do anything, but just take it down a notch a little bit. Listen to your energy. Mm -hmm. If it feels like, you need to rest instead of go to the gym. This is why it's okay. Yeah. Low to moderate, like a rope, like what would that be? Yoga, Pilates. Walks, yeah, like do more lower intensity. Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you can still strength tra- strength train during this time. Mm-hmm. I just recommend changing your training a little bit so that you're not burning yourself out. So with strength training, change your reps. Go for lower reps and go for less sets. So. You're helping conserve that energy a little bit. So no high intensity during this time? No. If you do high intensity during this time, it's going to, because again, you don't have the energy to do so, what your body's going to do is it's going to, again, create that stress response. That's going to increase things like cortisol and adrenaline. And again, which is going to suppress progesterone. So ultimately high intensity training in the second half of your cycle is a terrible idea. Yikes. And that spike in cortisol leads to the weight like holding on to weight which is the exact mm-hmm. opposite thing you would think you're going to get from all this hit in this over this training that you're doing right yeah you so often right <laughs> yeah i honestly really don't like high intensity training um for a couple reasons one because it's extremely stressful in general and for people who are struggling with their hormones and they have slow metabolisms they have impaired thyroid function and their gut is struggling like you want the least amount of stress on your body and this actually what i also don't like about the typical hit classes is it's not really high intensity it's high heart rate moderate intensity you're not lifting heavy during these classes you're lifting maybe max 20 25 pound dumbbells right as a woman and that and you're trying to get your heart rate up as high as you can you know a lot of these classes will make you wear like not make you but they'll they'll promote you to wear like a heart rate monitor and they'll make it a competition and ultimately keeping your heart rate high for a long period of time that like 45 minute class is extremely stressful on your system so you're burning through all of this energy and then what's going to happen is your body is going to slow down its energy production for the rest of the day to make up for that calorie burn that you just went through. Oh my God. A lot of people say, oh, I did my workout this morning. I'm exhausted the rest of the day. I can't do anything else. I have to take a nap. That's exactly exactly why. Because again, your body is trying to conserve energy. Strength Mm -hmm. training does the opposite. So muscle is very metabolic. It helps increase your metabolism. You burn more calories at rest doing strength training than you do high intensity. Mm. So again, training smart is going to be focusing on building muscle, focusing on lifting heavy, like lift true heavy, take breaks, let yourself recover, and then 
focus on lower intensity movements like walking, yoga, maybe if you like Pilates or whatnot, but staying away from that. I kind of think of it in terms of like a, a pyramid. I have this visual that I used in a masterclass I taught where like you have your high intensity, your moderate intensity, and your low intensity as kind of like a pyramid and polarizing your training. So staying at the high end and the low end, staying out of that middle moderate training because again, high heart rate, moderate intensity is stressful, especially for women who are struggling with their hormones, with their hormones. So stress again, that internal stress. Yeah. Being in fight or flight mode. This is sounding a lot still like the hustle culture mindset. We're even hustling our fitness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll get women who are like, I need to work out. I have to work out. I'm like, Mm-hmm. I'm like relying on my workout to give me energy. I don't, I'm scared to like know what happens if I don't work out. Mm-hmm. And this is because they're addicted to stress. Yeah. They're I'm addicted saying. to that hustle. Another form of addiction. That cortisol. Yeah. Kind of interesting with mindset too, because um, a lot of people, they say can be addicted to stress, chaos, drama, all those things. And that it's comes addictive. In to that nervous system reset. Let's start getting addicted to peace. Because what happens when you take that stress away, you have to actually deal with what's going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. And that's scary for some people. (laughs) It can be called a vice, like working out a lot and kind of being an obsessive, you know, there's people who have obsessive personality disorders and things like that Mm -hmm. or addictive personalities. And I definitely have seen that a lot in the fitness world as well because I came from the fitness world and been in a lot of different programs where I realized and I look back I wasn't okay during that time I was using my workouts as like this coping mechanism for trauma yes. and sadness and stress and not really addressing escape yes a hundred percent let's just sit in the stillness and like face it yeah I was huge during the pandemic as well mm-hmm. like uh, like day one of the pandemic the fitness industry was like oh my god we can't get into the gym like, right what are we gonna do? and you saw everyone going on instagram lives and just like trying their best to keep their, totally you know, everyone's out walking and running and mm-hmm. it's like oh, we can't let this happen and there was this interesting you know like people dealt with either mm-hmm. weight gain or being completely obsessed with working out so now that we're post that era a lot of like the healthier mindsets are coming in about just like nourishment and rest and the rest that we all needed. We needed that reset, I believe, in yeah. the pandemic. And, totally. Ooh, Actually, I have this one client who we, we work on this a lot in terms of using workouts to fuel to fuel that stress feeling. And I I always tell her, do you miss your high intensity workouts or or do you miss the stress the stress response that you feel? Yeah. And she's like, oh, wow. I miss the stress response because. Cortisol, again, cortisol and adrenaline feel really good initially. Yeah. They do. You get endorphins, right? And you're right. just like high It's on like life. this high and mm-hmm. it makes you feel good. It feels like a drug. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it kind of is. Uh-huh. But ultimately, the side effects of doing that for a long period of time are just not worth it. Because, mm-hmm. again, that same person is also struggling with her hormones. She's got terrible gut issues, like weight issues. It's like, you know... Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. yeah. So how has your journey changed once you started implementing cycle syncing and just like mm-hmm. optimizing your energy? Yeah, totally. So again, there's another piece with cycle syncing besides just working out and it's also fueling. Um, I, we talked about this a little bit, but in the second half of your cycle, you burn an extra 200 calories. So again, energy requirements are going to increase. So that means you need to eat a little more. And especially around your training. So main things that I do is I make sure to eat more around my training in the second half of my cycle because I know my energy is going to be lower, and I know that I'm gonna my time to fatigue is going to be quicker. So I make sure to eat again. I, I make sure to fuel a little better during that phase, and then I do the same types of workouts I stick with my strength training program and I do my lower intensity movements but I change I'll do a little lower weight and I'll do lower reps and sometimes I won't do as many sets as I normally do so I just take it down a notch a little bit and I really I've gotten really good at listening to my body and um you know tracking my my metabolism and knowing 
like how to keep my metabolism high so that my training doesn't take me out. Mm. But again, I think that it's really one fueling properly in the second half. If you have, if you need a rest day, take it. Your body's telling you it needs rest, and then just lowering the reps, lowering the weight a little bit, not pushing yourself as hard. Yeah. It can literally be that simple. Oh, it's so simple, and you heard it straight from a trainer, you guys. Rest is okay. This whole no excuses, like what's your excuse? That whole thing with fitness. <laughs> I feel like it's been oh. really tough on women when it's like we. It's critical we have some rest days yeah you know and even a little more it seems than men at least um in luteal and definitely and during menstruation yeah i used to push myself in training even on my period and i wore it kind of like a badge of honor mm-hmm. i can still do hit i can still like lift heavy and do all my crossfit yeah. circuits and i'm on my period but then with more of my um research i found out i wasn't even actually bleeding enough during my period to have like optimal hormones and i thought a light period was another like oh well, look at me i, I don't bleed a lot Mm-hmm. But working with doctors, they were like, you need to be at least bleeding, like at least more than two days, at least three for fertility. Oh, so that's yeah. something other, a whole other conversation. I think it goes more to, again, listening to your body mm-hmm. and not, again, not trying to fit into that social construct of no days off, workout every day yeah. kind of, you know, phenomenon that totally. goes on. Yeah. Well, I think that the... the culture has shifted we definitely realize like rest is a beautiful thing and that's where you can actually like build your muscles is when you can rest yeah you can't build muscle if you work out every single day yeah it won't happen absolutely (laughs) so thanks for like touching on that part of it um i feel like it's just this is also another simple applicable you can take action like now like you're listening to the episode Mm -hmm. okay let me download a hormone tracking app Right. Start tracking your cycle right now. Where are you at? What you day? To, yeah. You don't have to buy anything, you know? Yeah. You can just use, yeah, you can just use, there's so many free apps yeah, I use that you Flow. can use. That one's been pretty life changing. Mm-hmm. And for many years in my early twenties, I didn't know when my period was coming. It was just like a mystery every month. Who mm-hmm. knows? And right. And it's like, I know. And that knowledge is power and that information, that data. Yeah. It's like, oh, totally. It's like fun too. Right. Tracking your cycle. It's like exciting and fun to be a woman when you can like look. It's like almost like gamifying your life. It's like, yeah. okay, in this phase I'll have more energy. In this phase, I have permission to rest and like go be cozy at home and like, you know, journal it totally and totally like tea. sets you up. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, because otherwise, women get really hard. Women are really hard on themselves. They're really judgmental. And there can also be this like almost victim mindset as to like why do I feel this way so it just also gives you more clarity as to what is really going on it yeah. makes you feel like less of a victim and less of like this is happening to me and mm. like just giving you that power back oh I love that so empowering yeah that's another like going from lack mindset to abundant mindset it's like yeah we've been conditioned in society to think women have this horrible they have shark week like it's yes like like it's a bad thing that's frowned upon your period Uh is of like such a good thing yeah and this is amazing journey that can be really i love my cycle now Mm -hmm. like it's so fun and enjoyable and i just feel so connected and in tune with myself after learning all of this stuff but i notice like a lot of women who don't haven't gone through the same type of journey that victim kind of place that you talk about they think this has to be super painful. This is just how it is. Women are cursed, you know, like all this stuff. And like it's just gross. Get, it's dirty. Yeah. Like it's not. The shit end of the stick and like guys yeah. get to have, never go through this. And like, right. Like I can't do anything on my period. And it, it shouldn't be like that. Mm-mm. You're like, yes, you might feel like you don't want to go run a marathon on your period, but ultimately like it shouldn't be super painful. You shouldn't be on the ground. Yeah. Like, cuddled in a ball. Exactly. Like, that's, that's not normal. And we've been conditioned to think that, yeah, that time of the month, it should be very dark and, like... Super painful on meds. Like debilitating. Yeah. Which also mess up your gut. Right. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about there with what has been normalized versus what should be normal now is thriving during all phases yeah and knowing cycle. yeah because when you again when you know where you're at and you know how to nourish your body you are you are in the driver's seat 
like you are in control you are in charge of your hormones and you're in charge of your life versus feeling like your body is always working against you yeah oh man so that's great okay so now we know let's start tracking Mm -hmm. let's test ovulation and let's reassess how we move throughout the month mm-hmm. and then how we fuel throughout the month. Yeah. Again, there are foods that mimic certain hormones in the body. Seeds and nuts are going to mimic estrogen. Um, things like vitamin E, things like citrus are going to mimic progesterone. Ooh. And so you can, mm-hmm. again, again, this is what I do with some of my clients. This, I work with their cycle as a whole month and we I, t- I help them like optimize different foods during the different phases of their cycle you can basically optimize your nutrition based off of how foods affect your hormones yeah i know there's a certain way to eat within each phase of the cycle yeah i think that more so it's it's more about how much you're eating so making sure you're eating enough and making sure that during that luteal phase you're getting that extra 200 calories in Um, In that luteal phase, I also recommend focusing on really supporting your liver and making sure that estrogen is detoxing during that phase so that progesterone can do its job Mm. and make sure that it's sufficient enough. So doing things like the raw carrot carrot salad, um, again, supporting the liver with things like beets, um, garlic, dandelion greens, onions, things that are really, um, bitters are really good for your liver. Um, And... Again, it's, it's going to depend on the person how much support you need. But mm. a little bit darker foods during the second half are usually good. Like making sure you get in some um, some red meat, some beef. Just because, again, you're about to lose some B vitamins, some iron. So mm-hmm. getting that in beforehand is, is always a good idea. That's really helpful. I'm glad you mentioned some foods. Yeah, so that's a little... That's a couple things that I, I do kind of switch over mm-hmm. in the second half. Speaking of eating during your cycle, I found this really cute local business. It's female-owned, and it's called Agni. They have these really cute fertility boxes, mama, pregnancy, postpartum boxes. It's just full of snacks that are cookies, seasonings, teas, and all types of just fun things that you can mix into your lifestyle that really help bring you in tune with your cycle. So this is just another fun way to pretty much hack your female hormones and really start using nutrition and food as medicine. So check out Agni and use the code HEAVENLYHEALTH20 for 20% off your first order. Okay, now let's get back to the show with Becca teaching us how to continue to use food as medicine to cycle sync. The carrot salad. So oh, gosh. popular right now. Yeah. So explain what, you, what we mean when we talk carrot. about carrot salad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the raw carrot salad kind of went viral. That's um, <laughs> The raw carrot salad was coined by Dr. Ray Pete. And basically the raw carrot, the fibers in the carrot are indigestible. So you're not going to absorb them. Basically what they do is they bind to anything in the small intestine that needs to come out. So things like toxins, hormones that you've already used and are trying to eliminate, endotoxins, things that cause bloating, constipation, Mm -hmm. and help pull that out. The carrot kind of acts like a little scrub brush and basically cleans out the small intestine for you. So getting some raw carrots in is a really good idea. Mm -hmm. So I do that month, I do that all month long though, just to, again, it's really good for your gut health. It's really good for helping to balance your hormones. I have women say that it helps them with their PMS symptoms and helps them with period pain. So again, it's it's not going to fix all your problems. So it's a tool to use, but it it, it definitely, I've been doing it for a couple years now and it's definitely helped my yeah. my gut health and mm-hmm. I love hearing making that. things regular. What, uh, what type of salad dressing do you put in? the salad like you shave the carrots yeah so i'll peel the carrots i'll shave them and then i'll put some uh, refined coconut oil and then some i use apple cider vinegar but you can use any vinegar you want and then some sea salt and the idea behind it is that coconut oil and vinegar are very antibacterial and antifungal and so as the carrot is moving through your small intestine it's pulling the coconut oil and the vinegar with it to help kill off any bacteria fungus and whatnot that is so it's actually getting in there oh my gosh i love the scrub brush yes okay. it's literally a scrub brush so cool <laughs> that's kind of high oh, so I yeah i would say like i do it every single day mm-hmm. um i think i don't i'm not someone that needs a ton of variety you can switch it up some people will add like shaved apples or beets to it 
or you can you know do whatever dressing you want mm. just just get the carrot in yeah however so if i ate can. a raw carrot that's not a salad would it still do the same thing yeah you can just eat raw carrots okay um it just is gonna one depend on your digestion mm. also when you shave them it, it holds the fiber intact so it just it works a little better mm. if you shave them but again just get the carrot in good to know chew it really well also because i'll have people that like you know they don't chew their food as well yeah and that's going to affect your digestion when you don't do that so if you're just going to eat carrots chew them very well right that's a huge thing you just mentioned yeah the mindful chewing component yeah Bloating. chew your food <laughs> yeah we could eliminate so many problems oh yeah the digestion gut health world. slow down just chew your food and not double testing while eating as well. Like right. taking time to be present with your food. Oh my gosh, Really yes. break it down. And to hear it out, we do have digestive bitters we spray mm-hmm. before and after meals. And it helps so much. Yeah, they're like, great. Bitters are great. Yeah. Love bitters. <laughs> I like bitters way better than any other like enzyme or anything. Because it actually mm-hmm. stimulates your own digestive juices. Yeah. And trains your body to do the work for you versus just... Or using a pillow, we have to break that down too. Right. So I really love the bitters. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. Very accessible. The best place to find bitters is at alvenis.com. They have a really great herbal supplement line that includes a digestive bitter spray, and it's the perfect way to support your gut health journey. The Al Digestive Bitters are a minty, alcohol-free spray that is easy to keep with you in your bag at all times, so you can start to incorporate bitters into your daily routine. For 10% off, use my code HEAVENLYHEALTH10 at checkout. So I love that you just gave us a tip on how to use the carrot salad. Yeah. I've heard of another great tip you have. So the idea behind the adrenal cocktail is it was coined by a naturopath, Dr. Susan. Her, her last name is either Blackburn or Blackwell. Side note, I confirmed her name is Dr. Susan Blackard. The idea is that you are replenishing the nutrients that are burned through during stress to help support your adrenals. So it's a mixture of a sodium, potassium, and vitamin C source. And these are going to, again, help take the stress off of your adrenals. It really helps with your energy. It helps keep your blood sugar stable. It's just a really good tool to use. I recommend everyone do them. Um, it's basically the easiest one to do. The one, my favorite is four ounces of orange juice. That's gonna be your vitamin C source. Four ounces of coconut water, that's going to be your potassium source. And then a fourth of a teaspoon of sea salt. And that's your mm. sodium. And you okay. can just sip on it. You don't need to like chug it yeah. and whatnot. You can add some collagen in it if you're worried about your blood sugar. Just to okay. add a little protein. Or you can have a little snack with it if you want to. That's great. But Does this yeah. help hormone balance? Like getting the adrenals balance? Is there a connection there that people can understand? Yes, they're all connected. Mm -hmm. So again, taking the stress off of your adrenals is going to, again, allow your hormones to actually balance out. Sodium and potassium are also huge factors in digestion, like insulin sensitivity and hormone production. You need those minerals. Those are like some of the most essential minerals. So they play a lot of roles in the body, not just for the adrenals, but supporting your adrenals. Like most people have super taxed out adrenals. Like even though quote unquote adrenal fatigue isn't a real diagnosis, stressed out adrenals are. Yeah. So that goes back to the whole burnout hustle culture. Like everyone can support their adrenals. Right. At this point. Yeah. So I love adrenal cocktails. They also Mm -hmm. are really good instead of doing like a cup of coffee if you typically, if there's like a point in the afternoon, let's say 3 p.m. and you're like, I need a cup of coffee to get me through the rest of the day, doing an adrenal cocktail, it's not going to give you that same like caffeine spike, but it will give you a little bit of energy and help kind of get you through the rest of the day too. So I usually say do it around the time where you feel that like slump. Mm -hmm. What's, is there a time during the day where it's too late to do the adrenal cocktail? So give you too energy no it's not really it doesn't really work like that um you just are gonna have to see how you do with it i would say for most people i I even will have some people do two a day i'll have some people like people who are really struggling with energy i'll have them do one um mid-morning like 10 to 11 and then mid-afternoon like two to three o'clock awesome i love this okay this is something tangible people can just do yep and it's tastes good it's great it's not a weird supplement that tastes uh-huh. gross that's cool i really love the whole less supplements and more just using food as medicine yeah, yeah like you can if you if you know where to get your nutrients you 
can use 95% whole foods. And then, you know, there are some things that we need to use supplements for sometimes, but mostly you can get everything from food. Yeah. And that essentially was probably the original goal was to give us foods that supported our body. Totally. That's really good, like, tools. Mm -hmm. Carrot salad, adrenal cocktail, and then fueling a little bit more during the second half of your phase. Yes. Regardless of if you're training or not, you need an extra 200 calories or so. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And then start tracking your cycle with the app. Um, Track your temperature. You can also track your pulse. That's also can give you some data. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually have a... I have a free guide that explains it a little bit deeper. Um, you can get on my Instagram or my TikTok. What's that called? Um, it's called Five Steps to Heal Your Metabolism. It talks about temperature and pulse in there and how to use those to track your metabolism and your your cycle as well. Oh, my god! So the idea with temperature also is we want to see temperatures between 97.5 and 98.6, and that indicates a healthy metabolism and healthy thyroid. So you can also use it for metabolism as well as tracking your cycle. Wow. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> That's a whole other thing, though. Yeah. There was actually a class in, in my graduate program called Health Technology. Oh, yeah. It's so huge right now. Like, it's crazy, so much... yeah. There's so much you can do. Like, there's, like, the Oura Ring or Apple yeah. Watch. Or... Yeah. There's a lot that you can do to just get your life. Uh, to have technology help you yeah. with, you know, keeping track of totally. all the things we have to keep track of these days. Right. We don't want to add any homework or extra stuff for you guys to have to figure out. But when in doubt, like, these type of apps or tools make things pretty simple. Yeah, they're there. You don't need them, though. They're not, Mm -hmm. like, essential. Yeah. But you can get a thermometer at CVS for $10. Yeah. Or, like, the ovulation kit for $1, the Dollar Tree. Right. (laughs) And they're super simple ways. It's cheaper than a thyroid test, and it tells you more about your thyroid than a thyroid test. Right. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's another story. Totally. And um, I guess the last thing to kind of drive home with this whole topic of hormone respectful weight management so would this be the underlying key or hidden piece to why women feel they're not hitting their weight loss goals Mm -hmm. because their life isn't in balance or optimized within their cycle how do we speak on that for those clients or specifically that's the main goal that they have even though it's so much bigger than weight loss Uh uh-huh like is this the the underlying Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. it's so hard for women to get a hold of that sort of goal yeah so it, it's a piece so obviously living and supporting your body and your hormones is going to allow your hormones to balance out a little bit more and when we're struggling with these estrogen dominant symptoms it's going to be really hard for your body to tap into its excess fat stores and actually use that for energy mm-hmm. so in order to burn body fat you need to have one good thyroid function and two adequate progesterone levels and too much estrogen is going to suppress both of those. Yeah. And so, again, when the hormones are out of balance, it's going your body's not going to prioritize weight loss. It just it doesn't have the energy to do so, and it doesn't have the tools to do so right mm-hmm. now. So, yes, working more with your cycle will allow the hormones to balance out in a way where you can actually tap into those excess fat stores. And... But the main thing with fat loss and why women can't lose weight, even though they're eating less, they're exercising more, is actually that essentially is the problem, is that women start to eat less and less and your metabolism starts to slow down and adapt to that level of calories that you're intaking. And so if you're only eating 1,200 calories, again, that's a very low calorie intake And so what's going to happen is your body's going to start to adapt to that 1200 calorie mark. So again, you're going to have to start to eat even less than that. And there's just a point where it's not even feasible and it's not healthy. And so what's like, you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight and you need to have good thyroid function and adequate progesterone levels. And so if those markers aren't in line, your body's not going to be willing to use your fat for energy. What it's going to do essentially is it's going to use that 1200 calories to for things that are essential to keep you alive. Again, it's going to prioritize things like powering your vital organs and 
you know, things it needs to do to just keep your body running day to day. And then what it's going to do is it's going to start to put some of that, a little bit of that leftover stuff in storage for later. So it's not going to actually allow you to burn body fat. It's going to be in this conservation mode where it's trying to conserve fat, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. And again, it's going to slow down the metabolism. It's going to increase that stress hormone response. And that is essentially why it's really hard for women to lose body fat, especially when their hormones are struggling. So this is definitely bigger and deeper discussion than calories in, calories out. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, yes, it is, it is true. You do have to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. Yes. But what does that really mean? It does not mean just cut your calories. You can technically, you can create a calorie deficit by actually eating more. Because if you're incre- if you're starting to increase your metabolism, your body is going to be burning more calories at rest, which is a deficit. Mm-hmm. So there's more than one way to just create a calorie deficit than just lose weight. But in order to focus on weight loss in a healthy, sustainable state, you have to be you have to have a healthy metabolic baseline. You have to have those health markers down first. Otherwise, your body's not going to be willing to let go of its excess fat stores because it it's in survival mode. It's it's a fight or flight response. Jeez. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that was like a big no, answer, but I get women t- that come to me all the time and they're like, I am eating super healthy, I'm working out, I'm in a calorie deficit, and I can't lose weight. And I'm like, well, you're also, you don't have regular periods, you don't go to the bathroom every day, you're not sleeping through the night. Mm-hmm. You're exhausted. Your hair's falling out. Like, right. what about all these? Yeah. What about all these other things as well? They're like, no, five pounds. I'm They're like, no, like weight loss though. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what about healthy? Yeah, definitely. So, what would the what's the first thing you do when you hear like that sort of client profile? Where mm-hmm. would you even start? Is it blood sugar? Yeah. So yeah. I would start them again with first, just bringing awareness to what they're actually doing, and. I will like show them what their like BMR is, their basal metabolic rate. So just roughly, again, it's not, nothing is like absolute, but I will show them like roughly how many calories their body actually needs just to keep them alive. And it's usually between 13 to 1500 calories. Mm-hmm. Just if you were laying in bed all day long, not even watching Netflix, using no brain power, that's how many calories your body would need. And when I show them that and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not even eating 1,500 calories. And they're working out. And they're working out. And they have kids and jobs. And- right, and they have all the... And so you see that like how far in debt you are mm-hmm. with this with your energy intake. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just show them... Um, yeah, I just kind of like bring awareness to it first and say, okay, this is how much you're eating. We need to slowly start to increase this. Mm-hmm. We're going to start to, again, put together that like nourishing day of eating and focus on balancing your blood sugar and eat breakfast first thing in the morning and then eat a meal or snack every three to four hours and focus on your protein yeah and how about physical movement like workouts like not a fasted workout Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah i would say always eat before you work out always what's an example of what that looks like yeah so it's gonna it's gonna depend on the person obviously what they because obviously if you're not used to eating during a workout having food before is probably not gonna feel that great so again this is where juice comes in really handy doing Mm -hmm. like some orange juice and some yogurt or some orange juice and collagen powder just getting some quick easy to digest nutrients in there Mm -hmm. because again lighter things are going to digest quicker usually i'll have them do a little bit of salt because that also helps get uh, glucose into the cells quicker and we'll start to slowly build up we'll start with something again very light and then start to increase it slowly over time. But I do recommend trying to get at least 20 to 30 grams of protein before you work out, and then 20 to 30 grams of protein after you work out, mm. as well as a good amount of carbohydrates. So after. after. For fueling after. Okay. Definitely after, before too. Mm-hmm. Um, but within an hour before and after, within that hour time period. Yeah, I've been looking for just a simplified pre-workout, like, example of some Mm -hmm. fuel. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's, like, such a 
simple answer but the content out there is like where do I find this answer right it's like where do I start (laughs) so I'm glad you just said it like okay yeah we can use that super simple this whole chat was about hormone respectful weight loss how we can really get in tune with our bodies to let go metaphorically and or you know literally (laughs) yeah (laughs) body literally so hopefully you got some applicable tips from today some tools and resources if you listen to this episode go to becca's instagram and tiktok i believe it's linked on both pages this uh this guide which what's the title again reset your metabolism it's called five steps to restore your female metabolism okay awesome yeah so we have all of that and is there anything else you want to share with us today about this the movement and sinking your cycle to have hormone respectful weight loss yeah i would say the last piece is just be patient with yourself um give yourself some space the i know that we see a lot like get fit in 90 days abs for summer and like these really quick transformations and when the body is going through like hormonal imbalances and trying to balance itself out, it really needs some time. And so just being patient and, you know, back to like what we were talking about with like being kind to yourself and just, yeah, be patient with yourself during this time. If it's really struggling, then you're, you're definitely going to need some time, but you're not broken. You can fix this and yeah, be patient. I love that because wellness, there's no point A to point B. It's just this Mm -hmm. continual. It's a journey, Mm -hmm. marathon, not a sprint never-ending journey right i'm glad you guys are here to uh hear about our journeys and becca's in particular which was so great to have you on today and just share all this knowledge with us so you know where to find her now and if you enjoyed this episode please leave us you know comment or review on the podcast or on my instagram of on heavenly health Uh, i would love to have more guests like becca in the future or you can request becca to come back any other things that you want to talk about just you know, send me a request and we'll make it happen. So thanks again. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and continue to create your own version of Heavenly Health.